0: I have a question for you. It's good to start the message with a question. When was the last time you stopped at a crossroads only to figure out which way you want to go? Whether it's a junction or an intersection or a fort, The right decision is very important because usually the crossroad slows us down. We could end up in a circle going just round and round. Or sometimes it can take us to a wrong Destination. Sometimes you are cruising on a highway and end up in a split second in a fork with two or more paths where every corner looks similar and can can be deceiving. What do you do? Every day on my way to work, Monday to Friday, and even on Sundays coming here to church, there is always a crossroad that I consider. And of course, depending on the traffic, the time of the day, and my driving mood, I decide which path to take. Usually, I take the easy one and the one that will bring me to my destination faster. So in life, there are also small crossroads where you have to pause for a moment and stop and think. Like, what food should I eat today? The restaurant you want to go, the clothes you want to wear, the car you want to ride, even for the kids, the toy you want to play. We pause, we think, and weigh our preferences. Which one will make you happy? But sometimes there are even bigger crossroads freaky intersections as we grow older. Like, whose friend should I stay with? What school or church should I attend? The course I want to take for students. The job I want to apply. The house I want to buy. And how about the man or woman you want to marry, or the kind of family you want to raise? At this time, it's not only you who decide. You check the news, you look for advertisement, you read the survey, which one is trending. Or you find someone, call a friend, talk to a spouse, your family, or consult a professional. But what about if I told you today, if I tell you today that there is an even more challenging crossroads? At the junction, you don't only need to pause to stop to think of your next move. You need more than the GPS or the maps or the landmarks to look and give you some kind of guidance in decision making. This crossroad I'm talking about is something that we often ignore taken for granted, and place it at the end of the long list of our priorities. I'm talking about church mission. Call it the heart of faith. The Bible talks about this from cover to cover. Jesus came to earth because of this mission. He is mandating his followers to do the same. But what is this mission all about? Why heart of faith? Why is it significant to God? The to Christian church, like us, Calvary. The Christian faith to you and to me. So today, This morning, we're going to tour around the passage in the Bible in Matthew 28. Chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 16 to 20. This seems to be the final command of Jesus before going to heaven. Can I invite, invite you to stand, please, as we read Bible and pray.
1: Now the eleven
0: disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. For some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the ages. Let's pray. Father, may we witness today the, Father, the power of the Holy Spirit. For those who have not believed you. For those who continue to doubt you. Even for those who continue to ignore you as Savior, as Lord and King of their lives. And Lord, we also walk through, as we walk through and as we reflect your last command, the heart of faith. May you open our hearts and our minds. Take up any pride left inside us. Let the power of your word sink in and transform us according to your will and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So to fully understand our text, let us walk through the sequence of events Before this message was proclaimed. We go back. A couple of chapters. In Matthew. Matthew 25. And on. Jesus is preaching. In the public. About the kingdom of God. And then in Matthew. 26 in verse 1 and 2. After finishing. His preaching. He just. Talk side with his disciples. And this is what he said. When Jesus has finished all this saying, Matthew uh, chapter 26, verses 1 and 2, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days, the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. The disciples didn't like this idea. They were not ready for this. And when a woman, farther down, uh, uh, verse 5, when a woman come to uh, pour an expensive uh, perfume to Jesus, they were outraged. said, it's better give it to the poor. Jesus doesn't need it. But in Matthew, in, in, in verse 10 to 13, this is what Jesus said. But Jesus aware of this. He said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. For you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, What she has done will also be told in memory of her. And so after that, the succeeding events happened so fast. There was the Last Supper, then the Judas betrayal of Jesus, and then Jesus' arrest, the trial, and then the denial of Peter, Jesus, and then the crucifixion, death, and resurrection. Of Jesus, so the magnitudes of those events put the disciples in disarray. At the crucifixions, women are watching from the distance. Most of Jesus' followers went into hiding. They feared for their lives, not only because they lost a leader or a teacher, a savior, but this could be mean also that they are hiding because. Of the fear that they will be the next target of the enemies. And so after the crucifixion, there were mournings and weeping. People are in pain, confused, bewildered, trembling. And some are at the crossroads of indecision. What do we do next? They were there, waiting and doubting. Do you experience the same thing today? Is anybody confused, in pain, dismayed? Are you in a situation where at you find yourself at the crossroad of indecision? Let me tell you today, Jesus can do something good for you. I hope if you have a story to tell, we can talk this after the service. We have elders here, we have pastors here. But let me assure you, yes, Jesus can do something for you. And so here... While there's so much disarray among the disciples, Jesus' appearance in front of his disciples seems to be on time. His presence turned the followers from glory to glory, from weeping and trembling to waiting and doubting to joy and excitement. The final words of Jesus provide comfort to those who are hurting. And weeping. It allies fear to those who are in danger. It provides assurance to those who are waiting and re-energize those who are weak and doubting. So our church our, our text today gives a new look of what the church mission is all about. This passage. That we read in matthew 28 verses 16 to 20 is also called the great commission it started with an assurance that jesus has every authority to decide what is best for mankind why well first of all I just want to share with you the big idea of this passage. It's that that Jesus thought that the church mission and everything connected to it is all about God. His sovereignty and His glory. To get a full picture of what and the why's and the how's of this statement, We need to go back all the way to the creation story in Genesis. In the beginning, Genesis chapter chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And then after that, He separated the light and from darkness. He created the sky and the land and the seas and all the kinds of vegetation. Then God said to make sure that all these vegetations get enough light and darkness by creating the heavenly bodies on the fourth day. And then God created the birds and the animals and the living creatures. And then finally on the sixth day, God created man and woman in the image of God. He blessed them and told them to be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and Subduing. So from the beginning, God established His sovereign power over the whole creation. God is not just a creator, He is a provider. He sustains life and everything in it. But in Jesus' statement, there is a twist. Is it all authority? In heaven and on earth has been given to me. I think the gospel of John can help us more because it's a more vivid presentation. In John chapter 1 verse 1 to 5. Verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. Was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Mm-hmm. So Jesus assured his followers who are just confused and fearful and hiding, say, It's okay. It's okay in heaven and earth is given to me. Jesus assured his follower that from the beginning, he was there. Everything was created through him and for him. If you go out and tell the world what I have commanded you today, this is what you have to say. And here is our first point. that The Great Commission declares the sovereignty of God in Christ Jesus. So, Jesus claimed authority and lordship over the creation. By confirming his authority, he is reminding his followers of God's sovereignty. He is bringing us back to the creation story. Let me remind you. God introduced the first commission to mankind. And this commission is also called, the first commission is also called the cultural Mandate. Genesis 1 chapter, chapter 1 in verse 28 to 30. It says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seeds that is on the face of the earth and every tree with with seeds in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every birds of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And so three things. We can find here, in the Cultural Monday, in the First Commission. Number one, it is about caretaking. Adam acts as a caretaker in charge of God's creation. And the authority was first utilized in the Garden of Eden. We go back to the next chapter of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 to 7, and even in verse 15, this is what it says. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plants of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God has not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And the mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So man was in charge of caretaking. Man is just a steward. The rest of God's creation. He still works. But it's a different kind of work that we have it today. Because right there, every action of man has God glorifying value. What kind of work, what kind of product we have today? What kind of work do we show up, you know, when you're at work? In the original cultural mandate, every labor resembles God's way of bringing chaos to order. And the fruit of his labor is a reflection of God's attribute. What's more? of God's holiness. Can you just 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 think about that? Think about a child doing something good. If you notice that, you know what's in your mind? Who's the parent of this child? It's the same in that original mandate Every action is a reflection of God's glory. In other words, mankind has the capacity to glorify God. Second, it's about multiplying, fill the earth with people. So I believe there is marrying there, I believe there is a propagation and establishment of families. But here we are not talking about propagation of sinful people. We are talking about God's masterful creation. The man and woman filled with divine likeness and holiness. Displaying the true value of human life in God's eyes. Always proclaiming The glory of God. Third thing, it's about worshiping. So when God said, Be fruitful and multiply, this is not just a simple go and multiply command. Here we're not talking about numbers game. Fill there. Go, multiply as many as you can. This is about expanding God's kingdom. Producing and multiplying true worshipers of God who enjoy the bounty of His creation while continually commune with God on a daily basis. Worship Him and treat him as a supreme god every minute of their lives whatever you do and then the fall happened adam and eve disobeyed god by eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil what an impact of the devastation. Genesis chapter 3, and verses 17 to 19, this is what it says. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it and all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. In verse 23, Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. This is the kind of work we're doing now. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they fall short of God's glory. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Man claimed to be the owner and not just a caretaker of God's creation. You know, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, I was listening in the radio, and there is this speaker that shares about um, a traveler. I, and I, as I listened to it, I felt like the 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 person he's talking about is 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 me. And uh, he, the, the way he's saying it is that there's a Filipino traveler. It's not a Filipino traveler, but there's a traveler, and, and I I name him Ray. Um, and <laughs> and uh, he is at the airport, just finished check-in, and he got his full. Uh, uh, stuff in him with his um, uh, laptop and his cell phone and his jacket and his luggages. You know when we go to the Philippines, we almost want to bring the whole Canada there, so <laughs> that's, that, 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 that's how it looks like. And after the check-in uh, check the time, he got more more time to, to relax, so he passed by and picked um, a box of, of uh, Tim Horton uh, donuts and and then, uh, uh, pulling all his stuff, uh, he, he looked for a table, and most of the table are full, but there is one table where only one guy is sitting. And so he, he went right there, and he looked at the guy, so, and uh, he checked the guy, says, is anybody sitting here? He says, no, it, it's only me. And so he dropped uh, uh, down his, his luggages, um, and, and and put uh, his laptop and his cell phone and uh, the box of, of donuts and, and his jacket and he sit down and start looking at his cell phone, um, checking the messages. And then after a few minutes, he look at the box of donuts and on the, the table, and so he slide it to his side, open the box and ready pick up couple of pieces and start eating. And look at the messages again. Look at the cell phone again. Check the messages. And then suddenly, the guy on the other side, slide the box of donuts to his side and pick up some pieces of tindins. And then, Ray looked at the man. Didn't say anything. He smiled. The guy smiled as well. And so, after that, Ray slides the back of the torrents to his side again. Pick up something. Uh, this time, more closer to him. And then after that, while eating, look at the monitor. Check, still have more time. And then after that, the guy slides again. Reach out the box. Slide again to his side. Eat something. And then after that, Ray never say anything, but you know, what's in your mind, what's in your heart. After that, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Okay? And so after that, um, he uh, uh, he just continued reading messages. And then it's time for the guy to leave. And the guy left. But before he left, he took the paths. And And Ray didn't say anything. But he is furious. And then, ten minutes later, he went up because it's time to board. And so he took his luggage, cell phone, desktop, and took out his jacket. And you know what he found after taking the jacket? There is the box of Donut. And <laughs> <laughs> this, this, This is what happened with us. With our creator. God gave us something. And then later on, we thought, it's ours. We broke our relationship with the real owner. We treat ourselves as the owner. We subdue the king, take his throne, rob his honor and glory, ignore his revelations, and control his kingdom. Everything is mine, my, my toy, my body, my job, my money, my family, my marriage, my children, my car, my house, my church, my kingdom. In spite of that, God didn't quit on us. We still operate under the cultural mandate. We subdue, we multiply, we worship, but this time it's outside the design that God made. We try our best to satisfy God by being good owners and developers, but we always fail. See the natural disasters, uncured diseases, environmental degradation, broken marriages, dysfunctional families, painful childbirth, infertility, old age. Who can stop these issues? And concern. We are like a broken machine that does not only need simple repair and all change. The impact of the fall is too heavy. We need a total engine rebuild. See the flood during the time of Moses, the laws during the time or, or the flood during the time of Noah, the laws during the time of Moses, the blood sacrifices from animals, the appointed kings, David, Solomon's, and other monarchs, even the advancement of technology and science in our generation can't fix the problem, can't fix the devastation. Unless our engine is restored to its divinely mandated course, we will always miss the course. John Piper wrote, mission exists because worship doesn't. So, this place, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they lost the capacity to glorify Him. This place, the whole human race, to be the mission field. This also means that because of our disobedience, any attempt by mankind to worship God in His own capacity will not satisfy God. Do you feel now that the whole world is broken? Is anyone worthy? Do we fully understand now when Jesus said, All authority is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The Great Commission aims to bring the cultural mandate back into the possibility of restoring mankind to the road of true worship that was lost long time ago. Our positive response to the Great Commission live or lead us to true worship. Otherwise, we remain as a mission field. The question today is, what is your response? What is our response? Look at the world. What's, what is the response? Look at the world. You no, know, We're looking for face masks. Just wash our hands. Keep ourselves in isolation. We only need 14 days quarantine. We don't understand. No matter what we do, absolute death over mankind is unstoppable. Is anyone worthy? Jesus Christ showed what an unbroken engine looks like. He showed a life fully committed to the glory of God. Yes, he died a painful death, a punishment that is supposed to be ours. It's only through him that our works, our relationship, our worship can be accepted by God. The question is, I would, leave you, uh, the, I would like to leave you today is, have we recognized God's authority? in our life. If not today, I'd like you to think about it. Today is the day to make a decision. I think we're gonna go fast and maybe I will invite you to the second service. Um, but I'll be quick making the second point. The second major point I wish to share today is that the Great Commission mandated us to make disciples of all nations. The, the way Matthew presented the Great Commission is a little vague and tricky. Make disciples of all nations. Can we, can you, can we make disciples? But here, here is the spiritual truth. I cannot turn your heart to the gospel nor I can add one inch of growth in your spiritual life. But one thing I can do today is to preach the seed of the word through the power of his grace. In Luke chapter 8, it says there, The seed is the word of God. The one along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So that they may not believe and be saved. And the one on the rock are those whom they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, and in time, testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked with, by the cares and riches of pleasures of life. And their fruits does not mature. And for that, in the good soil... They are those who are hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear the fruit with patience. The seed of the gospel that is sown on a good soil will look like this in 1 Peter chapter 1, 23-25. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. In Luke 24, chapter 5. Luke has a different presentation of the Great Commission. It says there, Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. Also Luke has a follow-up on Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come to you, when the Holy Spirit has come to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world or the earth couple of things here. Number one is we need to be engaged in witnessing. Not just locally, even in globally. The whole earth is in a mess. Jesus' followers who were also called disciples are also called witnesses of Christ's redeeming life and death and resurrection. If we have heard, seen, and experienced the redeeming power He has mandated to us, we need to testify and proclaim. The world is not just a mission. It is like a huge courthouse where the truth about Christ and His authority is under trial. The only way to present the truth is to appear as a witness. Are you willing to be what? What stopped us from witnessing? And there's one more question that the disciples asked Jesus. Because they're really not sure what Jesus really, what exactly Jesus wants us to do or is telling us. And in Acts 6, verse, chapter 1 verse 6 to 8, Says there. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, Is it not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority? You know, at that point, even the disciples are not sure what is happening or what's going to happen. And so their question is a bit, for me, is something like, I don't understand. But I noticed how Jesus answered them. It is not for you to know times or seasons the Father has fixed by His own authority. I would expect that Jesus will rebuke His disciples. He didn't. He didn't even answer them Hmm. negatively. It's not a negative answer. So there's some sort of encouragement in there. Yeah, you're close to the truth. But there is a big misunderstanding of what the mission is all about. Yes, the mission started in Jerusalem, but doesn't remain there. It's not just for political reason. God calls us to be engaged in discipleship making throughout the whole world. Leading people to believe, give thanks, and glorify Him. That's in 2 Corinthians 4.15. Those who respond to the gospel are accepted in the family. Same as in Romans 15.7. And take care of them like little children, as what Paul did in the Thessalonians. Disciple-making is leading someone to maturity in Christ. It started from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria up to the end of the earth. Question. Where is your Jerusalem? Where is your Judea? Where is your Samaria? Here is some error in us. The problem with us is we look those places as the same. It's okay. I don't have to go anywhere. This is my Jerusalem. This is my Judea. This is my Samaria. The earth. This is the whole earth for me, Calvary Baptist Church. This is what that Jesus is saying all about. We start from here, if we consider this place as our Jerusalem. But there are other places who are in need of the gospel. When Jesus Christ came, he came to reclaim his glory and his throne. Put a rebellion to an end and restore his kingdom. It's not just Calvary. It's the whole world. So I would like to leave you the conclusion that the Great Commission is the application of the cultural mandate in our times whereby we are engaged in witnessing globally even in discipleship making As a church, whereby we, the body of Christ, glorify God, and multiply His true worshipers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's sometimes difficult to understand that we are in need. But yes, we are. We thought we are the owners. But we are just caretakers. We need you, O oh Lord. We need you. And we know by proclaiming the gospel, nobody can stop you. Nobody. Lord, because you have the sovereign power, the authority to this. And Lord, I pray that you will equip us as we go out serve and proclaim the gospel in Jesus' name.